going to go to the Lord, turn in the word to Ephesians chapter 2 today. I, I, uh, y'all, I love the book of Ephesians. It is one of my favorites, um, along with the other 65, but Ephesians is one of my favorites. And so I opened this, and and we're going to head into the word here, but uh, my intention is to go through 10 verses to get, or at least cover the content. I'm not going to try to work through everything, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. That's not the Bible I want to use. I tell you what, I've been enjoying uh, taking the Blue Letter Bible and and going through and comparing the translations and seeing how it says different things. Um, I am going to work from the New Living Translation today. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Oh, how boundless the grace of God is to us. Sometimes we get so familiar because we've been walking with the Lord for some time, we can, we can forget how much he's done for us, but hasn't he been good? You know, we face struggles and we face difficulties week to week, but then we get past that struggle and we're on to the next week or the next month and we forget how he helped us overcome. I wish that I had a book of remembrance of all the things that God had done from in my life. I wish that you had a book of remembrance for all the things that, that because it's easy for today's challenge or today's difficulty to overshadow what he did in the past, but it shouldn't be that way. You know, we need, uh, Cecile's got a, at least for a while she kept up with the journal, and she would occasionally share from her journal, I think it was a five-year overlap, Six-year overlap, ten-year overlap. So you would go through January through December, and then it would go back, and I think you would write notes right back over January and and December again, but it was the next year in line. So you could see this January, what happened last January, was right there beside each other. And uh, uh, it was just very interesting to see. No, I didn't go read her journal, but when she shared with me the different things that were there, it was a real blessing. So I'm I'm taking too much time with this, but let's start out. We're going to start out with the first three verses. It says in the New Living Translation, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Sorry, chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to disobey God. Huh? What did I say? I'm sorry. He is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. I was thinking about disobedience. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, I'm going to say at that time, we were object of God's anger just like everyone else. So let's just take a little time and look at this. This is not very encouraging to to look at. (laughs) Uh, But this is the way things used to be. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were dead because we were separated from God. When I went in and looked at uh, some of the words here, and I was looking at it in multiple different translations, but when it talks about disobedience in the New Living Translation, it talks about trespasses in in uh, some of the other translations. So disobedience or trespasses, let me define that. Uh, Mankind, because of the sin of Adam, has has an affliction, and that affliction is a sin nature. Okay? That sin nature is different than sins. Did you get that? The sin nature is different than the manifestation of that nature, which is the acts of sin. The sin nature is something that before you've ever done anything, you are born with a sin nature. It's something that you inherited through the bloodline of Adam. You can't do anything about it. Look, man's sinfulness is not dependent on just his actions. Man's actions demonstrate the fact that he has a sin nature. Without God, there is no hope. We are born as sinners. But because that nature is inside of us, as we go through life, you know, Scripture says folly is bound up in the way of a child. And 
You know, parents, teach your children how to live and how to do right. Raise the standard. So we were born with this sin nature, but this word specifically here, the sin a lot of times is the word uh, harmatia, which means to miss the mark. It's like the, the term is very familiar. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's like taking an arrow and you're trying to shoot the arrow at a target, but you just can't get it. It just misses the mark. And, and we, as a humanity, we're constantly missing the mark. What is the mark? What were we created for? What was mankind put in the, in the earth for? Ben? Well, before that, why did God create man? Nope. Yes, but nope. When God created man, let us make man in our image. We're supposed to be a demonstration, a, a display of the nature and the image of God. That's what we're created for. When people come in contact with us, do they get a representation of the image of God? Do they see God's nature in us? Do they get a, a hint and a taste of what God's nature is like? That's what we're designed for. But because Adam sinned, man is constantly missing the mark. We're missing the mark. Look, what you were talking about, fellowship, it's that fellowship with God. When that fellowship was broken, was broken that causes us to miss the mark because we're not walking in relationship with him. When you're walking in relationship, uh, Ben and Caleb, when you guys hang around with each other, you know the jokes that the guy is going to say. You know how somebody might respond in a circumstance. Why? Because you learn their nature. I had five guys that I prayed with when we were in college. We'd fast and pray together, and it got to the point when we would be together in prayer and have a need that would come up. You could just, I believe it was a spiritual discernment, but you could sense who was going to pray, pray or speak about that certain thing and who would respond, or you could sense that, I really feel like this person's got the insight for it. There was such a kindred spirit there. It's like God had us just flowing together like a unit, and we were able to function together because we had been together in prayer and been together in, 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 in worship so much that you learn to depend on the gifts in the other people. And God's intent is that by our fellowship with him, we would demonstrate his nature. And the only problem is sin. Man was born with sin. We're born with a sin nature. This scripture specifically talks about our disobedience, and it also talks about our trespass, which is the acts, the things that we do. So here's, here's how we define trespass, not just sin as in harmatia, missing the mark, but there's another Greek word, uh, paraptoma, which means trespasses. It literally means stumblings. Our stumblings are offense. Have you ever stumbled? Have you just, you didn't mean to do it? Maybe sometimes we did mean to do it, but on a bigger scale, we look back and we say, I stumbled, I failed, I, I missed it. I really should have done differently in that situation. But these, these stumblings and these offenses are really, they're different from harmatia, the, the missing of the mark. But it's just in the cycle of life, sometimes we just don't get it right. Sometimes there's just disobedience or sometimes there are offenses that happen and, and we realize we, made, we messed up, but we just missed it. Another way it's described as a lapse or deviation from truth and, and uprightness, a sin or a misdeed. And sometimes, you know, that can be, sin like this can be either something that we intentionally mess up or sometimes we fail to do something we should have done. So sins of commission or sins of omission. Sometimes we leave something out. We omit something we should have been doing. Sin can be an activity that we shouldn't be doing. It can be an attitude. Just because you didn't do it doesn't mean you had the right spirit about it. It can be sin. Those things are offensive to God. Those things are less than what we were created to be. And there's all kinds. Let me just touch a few things here. I've got some scriptures I want to share with you. If you're writing down scriptures or texting down scriptures, just not texting your neighbor across the room. Uh, Mark chapter 6 and 14. When, God, when Jesus is talking about forgiveness, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, somebody did something to hurt your feelings, somebody messed up, he's not talking about their nature. He's talking about an offense, an activity, or something they did, or something they didn't do. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. How many of you like the second half of that passage? But if you do not forgive their stumblings when they miss it, 
neither will your Father forgive yours. How many of you want to be forgiven for when you just miss it, you, you blow it? Last week, look, I confess to y'all that I missed it. I went to that Chinese restaurant, and God told me, I'm, I need you to pray for somebody here. And I heard him at the table. One guy said, did, did that hurt you when, when that thing fell on you? And apparently something must have fallen on his foot and everything like that. And folks, I missed it. I missed it. I should be leading. I, I, I would love to tell you that I get it right all the time, but I don't. That day, I'm like, I don't know these people. And I just, you know, and so I left. I brought it up twice in two weeks, so apparently I feel bad about it. I need to, get, I need to give it to Jesus. Here's my testimony and my position. I want to get better at it. I'm going to get better at it. But it, I, I want to emphasize again, it says, look, if you don't forgive people when they do those things against you, whether they were intentional or whether they just didn't see the need or they didn't recognize it, you know, it's easy to hold those offenses. But God says, if we don't forgive people, neither will God forgive us our trespasses. We set the standard. So... Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be free? Well, be forgiving. Let give people some slack. Romans, Romans 5 and 17. For if by one man's offense, who's that one man? Nope. The offense. Adam. So if by one man's offense, death reigned through that one man because of one offense. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. The apple gets blamed, but we don't really know. Okay? They always, I guess apple's easy to paint and it's familiar to a lot of people, but we don't know what kind of fruit it was on that tree. But by eating that fruit, every human being that's been born since that time, and even Adam and Eve, were affected by sin. Just think of that. I mean, it, on the scale of things, eating a fruit seems like a pretty trivial thing. It wasn't just that he ate the fruit. It was that God had said, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, in light of that, let's say that you had the availability of some amazing inheritance, okay? It was just all you had to do was just, look, you can have all of this. You're going to have all of this. All you have to do is just don't eat the cookie out of the cookie jar. I don't know why I pick on cookies a lot. But don't eat those cookies in that cookie jar. But you can have all of that. You can have all of this. Why is it that when, for human nature that that cookie jar becomes the obsession? It's that one thing. But it's one thing that I can't do, you know. I knew someone when I was in high school that this was a, oh, she'll never listen to this. She lives across the country and anyhow, she was a missionary kid and she was the most stubborn person I think I've ever known. But stubborn has its weakness and that stubborn is if you need someone to do something, just tell them to do the opposite. So I would play chess and i would see oops i messed up i'm in a vulnerable position so i would tell her look just move here and you can beat me i'm not doing it no move here look i'm telling you move here and she, i'm not doing it she was just as stubborn as anything and uh, you know in being on the mission field you couldn't help yourself she was hard to get along with <coughs> but we were thrown together we had to be around each other because we'd have these missionary events and she was the only person my age so we had to be around each other but she was just a stubborn but i could beat her in anything just because i could tell her what i wanted her to do which is exactly what i didn't want her to do but she would resist because i told her to do that and human nature is kind of like we've got a streak of stubborn in us oh i'm sorry y'all don't I had a dear friend that told me one time that I was the stubbornest person he'd ever met. It's just because I didn't want to do what he wanted me to do. But he might listen to the tape sometime. <laughs> Look, human nature causes us sometimes to do exactly what we're not supposed to do. Matter of fact, sometimes exactly what we know we shouldn't be doing. But there's that attempt for the enemy to keep working that nature inside of us. That's the way it used to be. 
that's where we came from. That's not what God intends us, where it intends for us to be. So it says in Romans 5 and 17, For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned, reigned means to have control of, to have dominion over, to direct us, sin reigned through that one, much more those who receive the abundant grace, abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So let's just unpack that just a little bit. The second half of that verse says that, that how much more when Jesus came, if, if mere old Adam, just man, came and was able to influence humanity and bring sin on all of humanity, how much more when the God-man came in Jesus Christ and through the influence of what he accomplished on the cross, if we're willing to receive the abundance of his grace, how much more will he give us the ability to and righteous to reign in life circumstances don't control us they shouldn't control us look if you're going to allow circumstances to control you i guarantee you if you will allow yourself to get under your circumstances i guarantee you'll have plenty of circumstances to get you down but when you start learning to stand in who you are in christ and take those circumstances, even when they're difficult circumstances, and turn them around so that they become a victory in Jesus Christ. It'll change the way you're not being ruled by your circumstances. You're ruling over your circumstances because the grace and the righteousness that's work in your life through Christ Jesus. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. If there's ever been a packed verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. I love it. I love it. Help us, Jesus. We've only got a little bit of time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anybody in Christ in here? Hallelujah. I'm in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Look, we just need to, that, that, every time the enemy surfaces something and tells you who you used to be, just remember, I'm a new creation. Yeah, that was, but that's not who I am. Hallelujah. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things. The enemy brings up that failure in the past. Yeah, that's the old thing. That's not the new thing. The enemy tells you you had that weakness in the past. Yeah, that's the old man. That's not the new man. You've got a new beginning. The old has been wiped away. It is gone. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things, not a few things, all things have become new. It says in verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. We've been joined back together with him through Jesus Christ. And what has he done? He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. What we receive from him, he made us stewards over. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Folks, don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. Don't be surprised when people out there act out and they display character or nature that's different than what should be seen in Christ. If anything, just consider it a sign past and a marker that's letting us know there's somebody that needs what we've received. Don't get angry with them. They're just acting out of the nature that's inside of them. But God has come to set people free. God, I sure wish you would do something about those people. I sure wish you would reach out to them and somehow help them know about you. And God's up in heaven saying, I sure wish you'd take the tools I've given you and do something about those people. They need to hear the word. They need to see a demonstration of the power and the presence of God. They need to get some hope in their life. We need someone to get out there and say something about it. Who has the ministry of reconciliation? I'm sorry, Pastor David? Where are we? We all are we's. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, you, would you just say me? He's given me the ministry of reconciliation. That is... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Oh my goodness. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Okay, I'm getting ready to turn your apple cart upside down. This is going to be radical thought until it settles in, okay? Because it's been radical to me this, this, these last couple of weeks when I've been reading through it. Jesus came preaching good news to people about the kingdom of God before he ever died on the cross. What was the good news? He didn't, wasn't, hadn't died and, and been resurrected yet. So what was, he, what was he preaching? We use the term the gospel, and a lot of times we talk about the gospel. We're talking about Jesus, death and resurrection. But Jesus was preaching before the death and resurrection, but he was preaching the good news or the gospel to them. And what was it? It's the gospel of what? The kingdom of God. What, was he, what is that? It is the restoration of order in the way that God intended for it to be. God as, as creator and king over all the earth, not the, uh, the influence or the effect of sin being in control, not bondage and oppression under the power of the enemy, but that God came to set things free. Now think about this. A lot of times in the church, we kind of have this approach, you know, look, if you will come to Jesus... If you'll give your life to Jesus, then God will put your house in order and God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will help you with your finance. Is that what Jesus taught? Jesus went around and healed the sick, delivered people from the oppression of the enemy, taught them about the, the kingdom of God, and he hadn't died on the cross yet or been resurrected. But he was still setting people free and still healing the sick. Why? He had the authority to do so. And then he turned right around and sent novices. People that's, you know, I've been catfishing with Ralph. I've been fishing with Mike and, and had some good fishing times. Maybe some of the, some of the rest of us have been out there. And, but there are very few times when you can actually have a successful fishing day and not come home and people be able to tell that you've been out fishing. I mean, if you had a good fishing day, you're going to smell like fish. The stink's going to get on you. The stank. Right? You're going to smell like fish, and you can scrub those hands. There's the, but it's hard to get that, especially catfish smell out of you. God took people fresh off the boat. They left the nets where they were, and he said, follow me. He took those stinky fishermen with him. He took the, that, that marred uh, reputation tax collector with him. People that may have been unacceptable from a church perspective. I mean, they're not the people that you would have gone out and said, okay, well, let's go to the Bible school and find the three-piece suitors or, you know, I'm not knocking three-piece suitors. <sighs> Sorry. But just the people that are all clean cut and everything. Jesus didn't go select those people. And it wasn't very long before he took those people and, and they still had character flaws. They're arguing over Who's going to get the highest seat or the seat beside Jesus in, 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 in the eternities? And, and, and people that are rash, Peter acting out, and Jesus had to get thee behind me, Satan, and stuff like that. Tell him to get thee behind me. But he took those people and he said, look, Jesus is realizing I'm trying to reach people. There's not enough of me here without me extending that anointing into the lives of other people. So he sends out the twelve. They were novices. It doesn't talk about them doing that work before them, but he authorized them and he sent them out. Why? Because he had the authority to do it before the cross to heal and set people free. Look, folks, I want to energize something inside of us, and that is go do the work of the Lord. Go pray for the sick. And it doesn't have to be because they got saved, set them free so that they can see the power and the authority of God. They might just want to get saved after they see his power. Don't make that contingent. There, don't you think? I feel like there's kind of a sentiment where it's contingent that if you'll come to Jesus, then maybe God will heal you or set you free. No, just go do the work of the Lord. Listen to God, obey his voice, and when, when, you, when God tells you to do something and you obey his voice, you are authorized if God put it in your heart. And when they see the demonstration of the power of God, I know this is rocking some, some things, but when they see the demonstration of the power of God, it may just be that there will be hope awakened in them. I want to know about this Jesus. 
I saw the power of God demonstrated. Do the work of the Lord. We've got the ministry of reconciliation. It says here in the, in the verse 20, Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though, listen to the, the heart of the Father in this. I mean, this is Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. But it says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Can you imagine that? As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come home to God. I talked to someone this week, and I thought they were going to be here today, but they're not here. He said, I believe we're going to be there. He said, now, wait a minute. I went to my grandmother's church, and they were hellfire and brimstone. Are y'all going to be like that? He could always sense that there was going to be this judgment and condemnation. That's a lot different than what, you know, there's a separation from God. But what we see here is God's imploring people to be reconciled to God. Come back into a right relationship with him. God loves humanity. God hates sin. But we a lot of times attack sin and in the process attack those who are caught up in it. You know, how many of you, man, this is going back, I don't even know how many years, but it's been a long time, the Exxon Valdez oil spill. You remember that? There's all kinds of pictures because of the expanse of that spill about these people out there scrubbing ducks. They're taking those ducks and scrubbing them down, and the seals are all got, got the ooze all over them and stuff like that. It was a terrible sight to see things like that. I bet nobody down there scrubbing those ducks, Eddie, was complaining about these ducks. You sorry duck. Why in the world did you get in that? You seal. Why did you get that muck all over you? Why did you do that? No, they knew that the seal and the duck. I don't know why I'm picking on the seals and duck. Why they were, they were victims of the circumstance. They were caught up in stuff. Look, when the world acts like the world, a lot of them don't know any different. There are people that know that they shouldn't be doing things, but folks, I'm going to tell you, there's a, a moral fiber to our nation and to the world that's been in, as being eroded away. We've got to do something about it. Whose responsibility is it? God, I just pray that you would do something. Would you come down? Would you release your power in the earth? And he's looking at it and said, I did it. What are you doing with it? We've been given the responsibility as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are the ministers of reconciliation. Let me just put it to you another way. It's not going to happen until we do it. We can sit and talk and pray and everything, asking God to do something, but until God's saints get out and do something about it, there will not be a remedy made known in the earth. People talk about the pharmaceutical companies. Well, if they really wanted to heal people, then they would... They would make a, a drug that really healed people. All right, believers. If we really wanted to pe be people set free, we'd do something about it. All right, I got to move on. I'm not going to move on without saying something. And this is going to be strong, okay? January 22nd, 2019. There was legislature passed in our nation, the Reproductive Health Act. It's unfathomable to me that at nine months of gestation, a baby can be terminated. Mm -hmm. New York. <laughs> yeah. In New York. And when the legislation passed, that people cheered that such a thing was passed. A baby can be born alive and after being born alive in the state, they can stand and decide whether or not they are going to continue the life of that child or not. At that point, they don't terminate the life, they just let it expire by not feeding it, not caring for it. And they can determine that for pretty much any reason, even if it's inconvenient that that child's life can be 
And when the legislation passed, they cheered. They cheered and danced. Yes. Folks, I don't know of any greater display of the fact that we've come a long way. We've come a long way. This, this, in the, the passage here, it goes on, it talks about, about being spiritually dead. I mean, at a place where, it just strikes me, I can't believe that that even came about in our nation. Lord, help us. We need to, we need to like I say, prayer's not enough. We need to be doing something about it. I know that there are people that don't want to hear that, but we need to, we need to hear it. All right. Look, folks, Jesus left us as ministers of reconciliation. We've got stewardship over the earth. You may not realize that, but really the authority that came to us in Christ is that we've been given stewardship over the earth. Here in the earth, we are his representatives. We are the light in the earth. We're, we may be hoping and praying that God does something somewhere, but God's saying, I need you to do that. I've put that in your hands. I have this week, this week, it's been exciting to see what God's been doing in people's lives. This week, I, I got a phone call one day, and this guy said, look, I was going home to my office in Wake Forest, and he's in Raleigh. He said, I'm so excited, I just got to tell somebody, can I come talk to you? And so he comes from Wake Forest all the way over here and spent about two hours in my office just telling me about what God's doing in his life. And more than doing in his life, what God's doing through his life. He, God got a hold of him a few months ago, about six months ago, and he just got such a hunger. And I'm not going to mention his name, but he used to attend here years ago, and then he and his wife and family moved away. And uh, he got so hungry for God's word, he just started immersing himself in God's word. And then he started seeing people online that were going out and doing the works of the Lord. And he said, God, I want to... I don't want to just hear about what God's doing in other people's lives. I want to be involved in that. So he started praying. He said, God, he gets up in the morning and says, after spending time with the Lord, he said, Lord, I need to eat breakfast. I don't really care what I eat. What do you, where do you want me to go today? And so he will intentionally go to a restaurant. He said, sometimes on his way to the restaurant, he said, God will give him the image of someone that he believes is going to be in the restaurant. And uh, he said he'll sit in the restaurant. This the specific instance, he said his, he, he had seen a, a man serving him and then he saw this lady that served him the whole time and he's like maybe i missed it maybe i missed it and then right when he was finishing up he happened to look over there and he saw this this uh man that, that was working as a waiter in the store and he said that's the guy that god showed me so he's hey come here come here come here and so he called this guy over and he started talking to the guy god gave him a word and he ended up being able to pray for the guy and uh and uh, he saw God bring about a change in the guy's life. And I'm, I'm just skipping rocks across the pond right now because I'm trying to get through it. But basically, God stirred such an expectancy in his life. Every day, he lives with an anticipation. And now that he's moving into that more, it's starting to get more frequent that he actually has a specific word and a specific vision of who it is he's going to speak to. In other words, he's starting to ride the bicycle more so that the bicycle gets familiar. He's learning how to work with the Holy Spirit and do the works of the Holy Spirit. And... Yesterday afternoon, he called me. He said, I don't mean to take your time again, but I'm just so excited I got to talk to somebody. And then he told me about what God had been doing in his life yesterday. He said, I just need somebody I can talk to about this. So he shared with me what God was doing. And folks, I want to see that kind of expectancy and excitement happen in us. I know that, folks, we have... We've experienced some. I just want it to become a lifestyle. I want it to become a daily occurrence. That as we're moving around, the Holy Spirit says, now who can I use today? Oh yeah, I know who I can use. I can use a Caleb, or I can use a Ben, or I can use a Ralph, or I can use a Wendy. I know, I know who I can call on. They're already over there in that area. I'll just put that person on their heart. And, and that we live with this expectancy and this sense of mission that God's got us here to do things on his behalf. That's what God's intention is for us. Lord Jesus, look, let's, can we just turn a corner on this thing? Because we just talked about the way things used to be in the Lord. We used to be dead in our sins, and we used to be dead in our trespasses. But look at verse 4. It says, but God is so rich in mercy, 
And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, the whole world out there, for the most part, is thinking that God's looking for an opportunity to get even with them and hit them with a lightning bolt. There's a lot of people that grew up in churches and they believe that they're just one stumble away from hellfire and brimstone, you know? But, folks, God loved the world even when we were lost in our sin. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I don't have time to go through my notes on these things, but I want to get through this passage. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. We were raised up together with Christ. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he, look, folks, you can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't get clean enough to be able to receive it. You just need to receive it. Don't try to perfect yourself or perfect everybody else so that they qualify for the goodness of God. It's by grace we've been saved. Our response comes after his grace. We receive his grace and then our lives begin to change because we're in a new relationship. For he raised us up from the dead. When Christ was raised from the dead, we were given the ability to be raised up in the newness of life in Christ. He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. It says here in this translation, because we are united with Christ Jesus. One of the things that blessed me in that meeting with the pastors the other day was that one of the pastors who has been deeply involved in um, substance abuse, uh, substance um, counseling and, and helping people get free from drug addiction and things like that and even mental health things. He said, look, because we discussed programs. What kind of programs really work? And, and they've got an effective program. But he said, look, I'm, I'm familiar with the different programs that are out there, the Celebrate Recovery and the 12 Steps and the different kind. He was mentioning different kind of programs. He says, here's the problem with them when they have someone stand up and say my name is and i am an alcoholic he said and this and folks you wouldn't have thought from this pastor and the camp that he came from but god's got him in a new kind of camp <laughs> he said that's a negative confession he said you're sticking that person back in the past and making them think of themselves or who they were and not helping them change their identity they he said they need a new identity they need to know who they are in christ so that they can start living the new life. Don't keep showing them where they came from. Show them where God's taking them. And I thought, that's what I've been preaching. He seated us together with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So listen to this, 7. So God can point to us in all, in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ. Look, the testimony of life, the testimony of Scripture is, yes, God knew we were sinners. God knew what we were stuck in. God knew where we came from. God knows every detail of your life. He knows where you messed up. He knows where other people messed you up. He knows where people did not do right by you. He knows every offense has come against you. And in the midst of all of that, even in your sinfulness, God loved you. He didn't forget you. didn't look away from you. He didn't. God is drawing you to himself. The very fact that you're hearing this word today is a testimony to the fact that God loves you. He's got something better for you. He's given you an opportunity to be united. If I didn't have anything, if I didn't have shoes, if I didn't have a shirt to wear on my back, you know, I've seen little African children happy as anything running around with just a little old shredded khaki pants on and you could see their butt cheeks hanging out the back. And I just recorded that. <laughs> but if we had nothing and we had Jesus, look, stuff doesn't make you happy. You can have joy with things and I'm not knocking possessions. <clears throat> If I had a Lamborghini, I'd still have to take the trash out. Cecile said amen. Um, but what we do have in Christ, 
It's not about the silver and the gold and even about the few folks. Right now it's about the mission. There's all kinds of treasure, more than what you could ever imagine, and I hope it's not just rubies and diamonds and gold and things that you're looking at, but the treasure is who we are and what He's created us to be in Christ. And right now, what we need to be focused on is the mission. People need what we have. we got a family member, distant family member right now that is, uh, he's had an aneurysm, I believe it was. So he is in a non-responsive state in the hospital. And the question is, does he know? Has he ever received? It's too late. I mean, it's not too late, but I mean, it, we waited too late. You understand? The question should have been answered before now. Now we're in a position where I prayed and I said, Lord, if things are not right with you, then don't let him go until they are, you know? You can preserve him, you can heal him, but at the least, somebody needs to be in there and tell him, look, I know he's heard the word, he's been in churches, but we don't know about his testimony. We don't know if he's actually made a, a covenant and a commitment with the Lord. So the question is, who will go? You know, there's family members that are going up there to, to pray with him and to talk with him. As of yesterday, they were telling me that. And I'm bringing that up only for this reason. Okay, that's a dire situation. That's a dire circumstance. How many people do you have within your reach right now that you could be reaching for the Lord that before it gets to that place, don't wait till it's almost too late. Share Christ with them right now. Time. Look, folks, I'm going to read verse 8. God saved you by His grace. I'm trying to get to verse 10, okay? God saved you by His grace when you believed. Don't get the big head about it. Don't get the big head like you did it. It doesn't say that, but that's what it's trying to say. You can't take credit for this. It was a gift of God. It wasn't your doing. You didn't make it easier for God. You didn't make it harder for God. You made it harder on yourself or easier on yourself. Just receive the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward. Okay, get this. Okay, this is New Living Translation, so I'm not sure how it says in yours. But salvation is not a reward for the good we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Jesus did it. Beginning and end. Alpha and Omega, He is the one who provided salvation for us. We get to receive it, and we get to make that choice. Folks, go out there and do the works of the Lord Share your faith, share the power and authority of God with people's lives and give them the opportunity to know the grace of God and come into a relationship with Him. This next verse is my, one of my favorite in the Bible. And I've preached about it, I've shared it with you. For we are His masterpiece, or we are His workmanship. When I think about that masterpiece, it's literally describing, or the workmanship, it's really an artist's work. Are y'all familiar with a Fabergé egg? Do you know what a Fabergé egg looks like? Y'all are Googling right now. No. no. A Fabergé egg, it, it, it's, it's not huge, but it's an amazing work of art. Okay, and you probably would recognize a picture if you saw it, but it's an egg-shaped thing that's got very intricate detail and it's very a, a very detailed, intricate thing that that it's obvious that it was made by a master. Okay, we talk about creation and things like that. If this is not a Rolex, okay, it's a Skagen from Denmark. But if, if I were to take that and, and just kind of leave it down there on the ground, don't want to step on that, okay? If I were to leave that on the ground and somebody came walking along here, you know what they would say? Somebody lost their watch. Where'd that watch come from? You know, who, who left a watch? That, why? Because you could look at that and, and tell that that just didn't happen. It came from somewhere. Somebody lost it. Somebody left it there and somebody made that thing. When God puts us out there in the world people need to be able to look at us and say there's something amazing about that person there's something different about them 
Their attitude's different. The way they live their life is different. The way they love is different. The word that they speak is different. They give hope everywhere they go. They share life with people. They lay hands on people. People be, get set free. Why not? I had this conversation with a guy yesterday, and he was talking about God's intentional demonstration through his life and through other people he was talking about. He was talking about Todd White and different kind of folks. And I, I, I remembered and went back and shared that story, folks, about, uh, you know, I've shared it here before when down in Costa Rica and we had the opportunity to go to the White, not to the White House, but to the Senate of Costa Rica. And we're sitting, I'm saying this intentionally because, folks, I was scared to death, okay? So I would love to tell you I was bold and just full of strength and power and just man of authority. No, it's not always like that. Sometimes you're just working beyond yourself. But God gives an opportunity, and you have to decide, am I going to press through on this thing, or am I going to just kind of fade away like I did at the Chinese restaurant the other day? <laughs> this day, I didn't do that. Okay, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. <laughs> so, um, so at this situation, the Senate room was literally, the Senate of Costa Rica was right there outside that hallway. The door is right there to the Senate. We're sitting right here on a couple of, uh, about three chairs, and a senator is sitting there talking with us. And while my Uncle Steve was sharing a word with that senator about who we are, what we do, different type of things, ministries and availability, sometimes the medical supplies or connecting with, with people that maybe ought to help out, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a word concerning their national security. And I'm like, God, I don't know anything about their politics. I don't know what's going on. And I'm doing the wrestling on the inside. I'm only saying that because I know that we all kind of wrestle on the inside sometimes. And the Lord spoke to me. And I, I thought, Lord, I don't want to be honest. I don't want to make a fool of myself. And on the other side, I didn't want to misrepresent God. But the opportunities there, I'm sitting outside the Senate of a, a nation, sitting with the senator. And over here is where all the TV cameras are, where they're doing the interviews for television. I'm talking to the senator and then they turned to me and said, do you have anything you feel like you need to share? And I'm like, uh, and I was stuck. God put me on the spot, Chris. And I said, yeah, I do. And I said, I, I, I feel like I need to share this with you. And so I shared what God put on my heart. I've never revealed to anybody what that was because it was specific to that nation. And that, that guy with his glasses looking at me like this, like a school teacher or a principal or something, he, he held back. And then when I finished sharing, he said, what you just shared with me, we heard in an intelligence briefing in a presidential breakfast this morning. He said, this is not common knowledge. But what God did, beyond what was said, what God did through that was open the door to his heart. And Eddie, I saw a senator who was number three in, in the Costa Rican government begin to weep. And he said, this is not common knowledge. He said, this is God. There's no way you could have known about that. And he said, we as a nation need prayer because we're completely unprepared for this. And then his heart just opened up and he started sharing about how his family was being attacked and how there were threats against his life and against because of his stand and how there were death threats against his family and accusation and they were living under such oppressive pressure by arm twisting and people trying to manipulate and and he said, nobody really understands how difficult it is to try to do the right thing in government. And you know what? Because of the word that God gave, that, that word of knowledge, he recognized that we had come to minister to him from the Lord because we couldn't have known about those things otherwise. And so we sat there, and this prominent senator in that nation with tears running down his face was able to receive ministry from the Lord. But it took... In that situation, it was that supernatural aspect of a demonstration of the power of God that opened his heart to realize that God had sent him an encounter. And uh, folks, that same Holy Spirit is at work in us. I, I've had this thought going through my mind in the last few weeks, and I'm just going to say it. So it, it's, it's testing me, and I hope it stirs you too, but... I feel like the Lord's saying, how much more Holy Spirit do you need? How much more Holy Spirit do we need? If we receive the Holy Spirit, it's not that now we need a greater volume of the Holy Spirit. We just need to yield to the Holy Spirit and learn how to 
let him work through us. What if God did the works, his works through us? It says here, for we are his masterpiece. We are his demonstration. We are his display. I, when I was reading that, I thought about those big old spotlights that they used to put at the car dealerships. And you see the beam from miles away, you know. Have y'all seen that? These big old lights shining up there. And you could tell that something was going on over there. They're trying to get your attention. God's wanting to get people's attention through us. For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. He's left us in the earth as a display of his power. He has created us anew. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. So, for what reason? So that we can do the good things or the good works that he planned for us to do a long time ago. Folks, God's got work he needs to get done. He just needs a people that he can work through. So be excited. Lord, look no further. Here I am. Use me. Use me, Lord. I want to challenge you. Let's make this week a different week. I would love to come back to church and have difficulty getting to preach because there's so much testimony about what God's done through our body. I would love for there to be people coming in here because they're and with their eyes wide open like, just this week I had an encounter with God because somebody told me about Jesus and somebody shared a word with me or somebody prayed with me and somebody changed my life this week. And so they're coming here for the first time trying to figure out what church is like. And I... I'd be, I'd be 100% glad for church not to be usual. Well, that was an unusual service. So be it. That sounded churchy. Let it be. Let's do it. I'm, I'm living with an expectancy. I don't know if you get that, but I'm anticipating God working through us to accomplish his purposes. Amen? I'm going to say God's going to do it. God is doing it. Let's be that people. I don't want to hear other people's stories about God doing all these things over there. I want to be able to say what God's done here, what God's done through us. We are that people. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We're the people that God's going to work through. Praise the Lord. I love it. Let's stand together. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer.